From the Financial Times in London, I'm Andrew Ward and this is FT News. Not so long ago, diesel was seen by governments and the car industry as a pragmatic way to save the planet because of its fuel efficiency. Then came the Volkswagen emissions scandal, in which the German car company was found to have cheated on emissions tests for its diesel-powered vehicles. Now, governments all over the world are moving to ban diesel from city centres, prompted by concerns about air pollution, estimated to cause over 3 million premature deaths a year, mainly in urban areas. Diesel, a leading cause of nitrogen dioxide pollution, is becoming known as a silent killer. Here with me in the studio to discuss what to do about diesel is Peter Campbell, our motor industry correspondent, and Polita Clark, our environment correspondent. First, Peter, tell us why so many car makers favoured diesel in the first place. What are its advantages over petrol? Well, for a lot of the car makers, it was a great way of meeting their CO2 targets. Diesel emitted about a third less CO2 than the equivalent petrol engines. And so for the car companies, selling these cars was a great way of getting under the legal limits. And for consumers, a lot of consumers liked them. They had great fuel economy. You could drive further on a single tank. Generally, they are slightly more powerful vehicles. And so consumers liked them, car companies liked them, and that's why sales absolutely boomed, accounting for over half the cars sold in Europe. Now, that had started to peak around 2011 and had been falling very slowly, and we saw that decline accelerate in the wake of the VW scandal as people became more aware not only of the harmful emissions that diesel had, but also of the ways that actually diesel was more polluting than people had originally thought. They suddenly realised that what the car makers was telling them about how polluting these cars were was wrong. Polita, why is diesel now considered to be such a bad pollutant, so much worse than petrol? Were the claims about diesel being a clean fuel just a con? Well, basically, when diesel is burnt or combusted in an engine, you get more gunk. It produces more harmful pollutants. Nitrogen dioxide is one, but very fine particulate matter is also another big problem. This has always been the case. It's still the case. Regulators knew about this when they started to encourage more diesel cars around the turn of the century in an effort to try to prevent climate change, as Peter said. But they thought that the car makers were going to be able to fit vehicles with filters and other sorts of equipment that was going to overcome the problem of particulate matter, in particular, as it were. As we saw in the VW scandal, however, what happened was that this equipment was fitted, but then the car makers found a way to make it work in the lab, but not so much in real-world conditions where they were fearful it was going to, or it did affect cars' performance. So I guess one could argue that uh, it really wasn't so much of a con if this equipment had worked as it was supposed to in the first place. But of course, we've seen that in practice that theory didn't quite pan out. The UK is seeing this debate particularly intensely at the moment because Britain has some of the worst levels of urban pollution in Europe and very high levels of diesel vehicles. So how did this come about and what's the government doing about it? Britain's actually one of five EU countries that have had real problems in bringing down air pollution levels in their cities, and largely because they all have a lot of diesel cars as well as trucks and buses. In Britain's case, um, there are a lot of big cities. You get a lot of traffic congestion. All of these governments are supposed to have been doing something about this since 2010. They have failed to do that. And in fact, just in the last couple of days, we've seen this rather interesting situation emerge as a result of the election that the Prime Minister just called last week, where 
a new air quality plan that was supposed to have been produced on Monday earlier this week. The government has gone to court to try to defer publication of that, claiming that these pre-election PERDA rules make it impossible for it to do it. They're trying to put that off now until the end of June, and in fact we won't probably see a final plan until September. So yet more delays in what has been a fairly long and drawn-out history of delays. And yet the Mayor of London is talking about pushing ahead with some unilateral measures to try and clean up the air in London. Peter, do you think the move to ban diesel from city centres is unstoppable? How many cities are uh, taking these kind of steps? Well, it's certainly a a one-way street, so to speak. It's unlikely any of the rules coming in banning diesels are going to be relaxed. As you say, London's not the only one. Dusseldorf's talking about this. You've got Paris, Madrid, Athens, even as far as Mexico City. A lot of places around the world are talking about banning diesels outright from city centres or bringing in some kind of curb on them in the middle of cities. And this is politically driven because concerns about air quality and pollution mean that it is a very popular policy that is likely to be a vote winner. And so it's unlikely you'll see these being rolled back because they're done by city mayors. This isn't regulation that's coming from the EU or from individual governments. It's being done by individual cities. And it's interesting that that, in a way, is doing more to drive people away from diesels and people towards particularly electric vehicles than some of the kind of big macro EU-wide environmental policy that has been bubbling away in the background anyway. But it's certainly something that isn't likely to start And how is the motor industry responding? Are they fighting back in defence of diesel or do they see the writing on the wall and looking to move on to other technologies? Well, all the car makers are investing heavily in not just electric technology, but hybrid technology as well and other alternatives such as possibly hydrogen. They all know that in order to meet targets coming in next decade, they have to sell electric cars. There is no way of meeting them using just internal combustion engines with petrol and diesel. And they also see the writing on the wall with cities as well, that they will, in order to sell cars to people they can drive in cities, they will have to sell them electric cars. You've got rules coming in in London that from the start of next year, all the taxis have to be able to drive purely electrically in London, which is why a company such as the London Taxi Company is starting to produce hybrid taxis that can drive electrically in the middle of London. But also the industry is worried about what this will mean for commercial vehicles, because don't forget, we often talk about the motor industry as just passenger cars. In London, only one of five vehicles on the street is a passenger car. There are taxis, there are delivery vans, there are light commercial vehicles. And these are only going to increase as you see a rise of online shopping, people getting stuff delivered to their office, from groceries to books to nappy supplies. So the demand for small delivery trucks is only likely to increase. And right now, 96% of commercial vehicles in the UK run on diesel. If they are suddenly banned from the middle of London, there's going to be a big delivery problem there. There are some alternatives. There are some electric vans, but there are a lot of concerns around the range that they can drive in a single day before needing to recharge. And a lot of the vehicles that are sold are diesel because it has the higher fuel economy, it can drive further, and it would be very difficult for these sole traders to drive petrol vans because they just spend far too much on fuel. So that's an aspect of the market that is likely to be very seriously affected by these changing rules. So electric vehicles, maybe not a complete panacea, but Polita, tell us about how big a contribution they can make to cleaning up our air. Well, on the face of it, you would think that electric cars are actually the complete answer here because you know, no tailpipe emissions, uh, so no socks, knocks, uh, no particulate matter. However, some researchers say that the harmful pollutants that come from a car, of them, as little as a third actually comes out of the 
tailpipe. And some people think that two-thirds comes from wear and tear of brakes and tyres on the road. You know, that's where you get these very fine particles that people breathe in, and they lodge in the lungs, and then they can actually enter the cardiovascular system. So not necessarily the answer that we think. However, it's clear that around the world, the electricity system is being decarbonised at a much faster rate than any other parts of the energy system. So Assuming that that trend continues and all of the electricity used to power the world's small but fast-growing fleet of electric cars is eventually zero carbon, then clearly we'll be looking in a much happier outlook in terms of the climate. When it comes to air pollution, well, the picture at the moment looks a little more complicated. Peter, how quickly should we expect to see electric cars starting to displace petrol and diesel? So electric car sales are growing very, very fast but from a microscopically small base and are very largely driven by government incentives. So the world's biggest electric car market in terms of percentage of cars sold is Norway, where the government heavily incentivizes the purchase of electric cars and penalizes the purchase of other cars. But as technology gets better, as battery technology improves, we are likely to see the cost of electric cars come down. Some analysts are expecting them to reach parity with combustion engine vehicles by maybe 22, 23 in terms of not just purchase price, but also lifetime running costs. Because if you don't have to pay as much to fill up when you recharge, then that takes a lot of money out of the cost of the vehicle. So when we see that, it is likely that consumers are going to want to start buying these vehicles. So it's going to be quite a few few years yet before we see electric cars really becoming a significant portion of the vehicles on our roads. Peter Campbell and Polita Clark, thanks very much for joining us. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.